Welcome to Entertaining a Conversation, the podcast where we always, always entertain conversations about things that are entertaining. I am your host, always and forever, Mr. Sir. Thank you so much for joining again this week. This is the third episode of this podcast. Thank you so much for supporting this endeavor, liking, sharing, uh, telling your friends. Thank you for everything and all the support that you guys have been giving me so far. You guys have been absolutely awesome. We've got lots to talk about this week, lots of news, uh, lots of diverse news. This week, it doesn't all belong to Disney, uh, so that's uh, that's a nice change. And uh, we've got uh, lots of ambiguity when it comes to the two movies that I've decided to watch this week for the mandatory viewing segment. You guys will understand once you get there, uh, so get there. Uh, like I said, lots to get to. Uh, we might as well not waste much more time, but I will say this. I am in Montreal, Canada. I live in uh, the absolute fucking fridge of the planet and uh, fridge of civilization, that is. And I must say today is the nicest winter day I've seen in a long, long time. I went outside today with my winter jacket. I was going to the I was going to the depth or uh, as you uh, Americans say, the convenience store to get myself uh, some breakfast. And then I went there and uh, as I got out, I was fucking sweating with my, my winter jacket on, so I took it off and, and went on my way and I was hella surprised because at this time of year usually we get minus 30s, minus 40s, uh, and I'm not even exaggerating, Celsius that is, and uh, we get a lot of, uh, of snow as well, so today was, an, uh, today was like a day of spring, uh, a month early, which, you know, probably has something to do with the dire consequences that our planet is facing and I'm very sorry to be enjoying it, but you know, fuck it, I'm enjoying it. Uh, might as well uh, do the most you can while you're alive. So thank you for blessing us with this great day. Uh, I'm still inside working on this podcast, so not that it matters, but thank you. Uh, and uh, looking forward to the uh, snowstorm that we're supposed to get this week. So uh, enjoy while you can, Montrealers. And enjoy while you can, while you're uh, if you're outside and it's beautiful where you are right now, because you never know what can happen. It's still the winter, uh, so don't discount anything mother nature has in store for us so we've got lots to cover today i'm not gonna keep blabbering much longer here are the news this week the news were not dominated by disney they were not dominated by fox they were not dominated by warner brothers they were not dominated by lord of the rings they were not dominated by harry potter they were not dominated by Sonic the Hedgehog, thank God. They were not dominated by a big production. No, instead, they were dominated by, you know, a, a, a small production uh, that is kind of getting a revival. It was a small little show that happened back in the, the late 90s about uh, three guys and three girls who uh, were buddies and, this, and just enjoy having coffee together and just kind of go through life. And, and it, was, it, it was a very... It was a very good show. It was it was very small. No, not a lot of people know about it. It was called Friends. I don't know if you guys know about it, but uh, that actually uh, and funny funny that we should talk about it because she's you know so known now um, and wasn't back then. But this launched Jennifer Aniston's career. Yes, that that show launched Jennifer Aniston's career. God knows what happened with the five others. I guess we'll find out during the reunion. But um, yeah, Jennifer Aniston came out of this so this this wasn't all for nothing you know it didn't make a lot of money did not raise a, a lot of awareness but um you know I'm, I'm happy i am happy studios give a chance to those small productions like this because you know if how i met your mother did a reunion or the big bang theory did a reunion not that you know anybody wants that so fresh out of it but if if the office were to do a reunion, this this is a good option. If the office were to do a reunion, it would be easy to look at it and say, you guys are making it for, or you guys are doing it for money. It's, it's obvious, it's painfully obvious, you guys are short on cash and you just wanna make bank. And same, short or greedy. Uh, same goes for How Met Your Mother, same goes for Big Bang Theory. But with Friends, you know, it didn't make a lot of money. So I appreciate the studio going uh, going balls to the wall on this and taking a risk on the smaller guy. Yeah, I'm sorry. I, I can't, I can't, 
can't keep this up. Uh, yeah, Friends is getting a reunion. Uh, I'm very happy. Yes, it was a very popular show. Everybody knows what Friends is. I actually like Friends. I think that a lot of people um, feel like it's it's cool to, to hate on it for some reason. Uh, but man, you, I watched it and I laughed. I wasn't looking for reasons not to laugh. So I enjoyed it and I enjoyed every character. Uh, and, and I feel Friends is a good uh, lesson. Uh, now we're talking about movies and, and I guess in proxy we're talking about TV shows here. But this is a good lesson in casting. Friends is probably the best casted show on in the history of the planet. Uh, second, the Office being a close second. I think The Office is very well casted. But Friends, man, I feel like there's more depth to each character to each character and it feels like i haven't read up on this maybe maybe i i wasn't aware of it and i'm just my assumption is actually reality and i'm not aware of it but it feels like friends were friends was written after they casted it like i feel like they they tailor they tailored everybody uh every character on that show according to how they are in real life because there's no way these people are that good at portraying other people like i'm not saying they're amazing actors or anything they, they are very good in their own right but what i'm saying is i don't think of matthew perry and think matthew perry i think chandler and uh i love matt leblanc in interviews but i always see joey so there's no way uh there's no way i that these people were not chosen or were not written to be the way that they are in real life or uh, chosen uh, there's no way they were chosen there there's no way they weren't chosen sorry uh because of who they were in real life or there's no way they weren't written based on who they were in real life i'm sorry i had to clarify this but yeah I, i i think friends is a lesson in casting and uh i'm i'm happy for it. i'm i'm looking forward to the reunion man it's going to be a fun time uh and uh whoever's uh whoever's a hater for no reason lighten up man just a just a tv show and watch it maybe you'll enjoy it And if you hate it for other reasons, you know, it's cool. You know, if you, if you don't like it and you have a justified reason, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not talking to you here. I'm just talking to, to all the fucking trolls online or whatever that, you know, decided that Friends was, was shitty. No, it's a good show. Come on. They made money off of it and they had lots of, uh, they had lots of people glued to their TV. So uh, props to Friends. I'm really excited to see that. Speaking of reunions, uh, I feel like this is important to say. Uh, Jurassic World 3, a uh, movie still in, de in development, has announced, well, Chris Pratt actually said in an interview that Laura Dern, Jeff Goldblum, and Sam Neill were coming back for the third one. We know the third one, I don't know if you have anybody who's watched the second one, which was, you know, mediocre at best. Uh, at the end of the second one, the dinosaurs are loose in uh on earth so they're going to explore that side of it and they're bringing back the experts from from by, way back when so i feel like the nostalgia factor might boost the sales for this movie but ultimately if the movie doesn't do good i don't think uh i don't think the jurassic park or the jurassic world franchise is going to survive much uh, much more um so hopefully this movie it's it, returns are good and all and i'm happy to any movie that has jeff goldblum come on Like, there's no way not there's no reason not to hate it there's no reason to hate it the only reason the only thing is if this movie doesn't deliver on a narrative standpoint i don't think i don't think they go any further with it i think uh any further installments spin-offs or ideas that they had will uh I, i feel like they'll lose the trust so hopefully it's good i'm i'm carefully optimistic let's just put it that way Uh, moving on, uh, we've seen Sonic the Hedgehog last week uh, get released, which was uh, one of the only video game movies that were actually okay. And I know I trashed the movie a bit, but you know, it wasn't you uh, bowl movie levels of bad. Like it was just not good. Uh, so you know, I feel like we're going in the right direction for video game movies. I just don't know uh, what the next ones will entail like the super mario ones and whatnot one thing that we do know is uh tv series are doing video games uh very well we've seen this year the witcher which i i i know and i agree is a book first and foremost but a lot of people know the witcher from the video game series and i'm one of them personally i've never read the books i'm not really into uh medieval stuff uh except you know maybe game of thrones that i 
should probably keep watching at some point because I will get spoiled at some point uh, if I don't. And uh, and yeah, no, I, I watched The Witcher with careful uh, optimism, and I feel like I'm using that expression a lot. But yeah, I was very uh, I was very careful. I was very uh, tiptoeing at the, around the idea of watching The Witcher because video games and mo video games and movies or TVs usually is not very good. But they pulled it off, man, and they did a really good job. So. I feel like TV series, I feel like video games, because the arc of a video game is so long, I don't feel like a movie, I don't feel like a movie adaptation of it, unless you're planning on doing many, many sequels, is a realistic endeavor. I think TV is the way to go. And in that optic, I am here to announce to you guys, and I've read this rumor, I don't know how this is going to go, but Diablo, the video game that we all love on computer, the RPG, and Overwatch, which is a game that I've never played, but I know it is very popular. Uh, they're both getting Netflix series. Uh, so I'm, I'm not too familiar with Overwatch, but I'm very excited to see what they're gonna do with Diablo, knowing what they did with The Witcher. Um, it's kind of the same vibe slash universe. Well, it's, it's kind of the same time, uh, if you look at it chronologically wise, but um, you know, it's all about knights, knights and swords and, and all that stuff. Uh, and monsters so I feel like they're they're kind of um I feel like they're they're staying within the same bubble and uh, as the witcher and I feel like Netflix is going to do a good job out of it I'm excited I'm not obviously looking f like I'm not going to stamp it in my calendar or anything but yeah no I'm, I'm very I'm very excited to see what they do with it speaking of series this is um depending which side of the spectrum you're on this could be good news and this could be bad news uh, Daniel Radcliffe confirmed that he was not going to be Moon Knight in the Moon Knight Marvel uh, series on Disney Plus. So that's a that's a bummer. Honestly, Daniel Radcliffe is a, a fun actor. Uh, I enjoy seeing him on screen. He's not always the the most emotional of the bunch, but he does uh, he does a very good job at um, he does a very good job at conveying the dorky Daniel Radcliffe side of him whenever he's asked to do that in a, in a movie or as a character i feel like when he's casted right daniel Radcliffe can be a, a blast to, to, to watch uh so in, in that sense you know i i'm not familiar with the moon knight character but anytime i get to see daniel Radcliffe being given a chance i feel like is a good thing i feel like he still needs to prove even all those years later that he's more than just harry potter uh, and uh it's a bummer you know i don't know who they're gonna cast instead but uh, one could assume that Marvel has uh, one or many tricks up their sleeves. So we'll see what happens. Um, speaking of Marvel, moving on to Disney, moving on to Pixar. Uh, Pixar is releasing a movie next week, which, uh, which is great, by the way. Uh, releases a day before my birthday, so I know what I'm doing for my birthday. I'm going to see this movie um onward is coming out it has uh casted it, ha it casts sorry um chris pratt and tom holland as a couple of brothers who have lost their fathers and they're both wizards uh, their dad was a wizard so they learn how to wizard their way out and and bring their back their dad back to life but then as they try to do it they only bring back half of his body which is the leg so then he, they try to figure out how the way to get the rest of the body and I, I guess that's the that's the adventure that they're going on uh, that those are the details that we have for now but i'm very excited to see the movie next week i don't think pixar ever disappoints um cars 2 aside i feel like pixar in their worst moment will still give you a worthy movie so i'm very excited to watch it i'm excited for uh, always the visuals and pixar's pixar movies are so gorgeous all the time um I'm very excited. I, I love that studio, the animation studio, and I, and I'm happy they're. Um, I mean, obviously Disney is owning everything, but I'm happy they're still getting the funding necessary to make the movies that they want to make, and I'm happy they haven't changed their um, creative ways ever since Disney bought them. So I'm excited for Onward. I'm very excited to see what that uh, that entails. I'm excited to talk to you guys about it uh, as well. Um, Another, this is uh, actually a bit rougher to hear. Uh, the Uncharted movie, uh, we were speaking and talking about video games earlier. Uh, Uncharted is getting a movie, which I think is honestly a good move. Um, however, I don't feel like they've been handling it very well. 
Um, Uncharted, be uh, so the, the shooting, This the reason I'm talking about this is shooting begins next month. This is what Tom Holland confirmed. Uh, Tom Holland is going to play Nathan Drake. Uh, this, this movie's been in um, development hell, to say the very least. Um, it's, it, it's changed directors six times. And whenever a movie changes directors once is, uh, is enough to start doubting it. So uh, six times is aston astounding. It's ast I was gonna say astonishing and astounding at the same time. Uh, it's 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 fucking awful, man. It's terrible. And listen to the listen to who they went through: David O. Russell, Neil Berger, Seth Gordon, Sean Levy, Tr uh, Dan Trachtenberg, and Travis Knight. Dan Trachtenberg, uh, I, for those who are unfamiliar, directed. Um, 10 Cloverfield Lane, so I feel like he would have been perfect for that. Uh, and Travis Knight did Bumblebee and uh, Kubo and the Two Strings. So, like, Neil Berger said Gordon, Sean Levy are more uh, comedy people. I don't know how they would have managed. Well, I mean, I'm sure they would have figured out a way, but I feel like the best candidates out of all of them would have been probably uh, Dan Trachtenberg and, and David O. Russell. But they got uh, a good replacement instead. They got Ruben Fleischer, who did uh, both Zombieland movies and the Venom movie. Uh, which you know divided people, but I feel like Ruben Fleischer is a very can be true. If there's if there's a silver lining to this, I feel like if, if I'm gonna say something positive about it is they did not end up with the worst choice. So we'll see what Ruben Fleischer does with this. Um, movie stars Tom Holland and Mark Wahlberg should be you know interesting to see what happens. Uh, I will be keep, keeping my eyes closely. Um, we saw more. Um, we ended up seeing more this week of Batman's costume for uh, the Batman, uh, the Matt Reeves uh, Batman movie. You're gonna hear me talk about this movie a lot. I feel, uh, but uh, you know, I'm, I'm excited for it, man. My favorite movie ever is The Dark Knight. For those who don't know, and um, Batman movies always get me giddy, man. And um, very excited to see this one handled by such a pro as Matt Reeves. And with Robert Pattinson, an actor I adore, so I'm happy. I'm very excited to see it. So I'm happy whenever I get the chance to talk about it. Uh, we ended up seeing more of the costume. It kind of looks weird without a cape, but we'll have to see what happens. Um, it, it's it's worth mentioning. Um, DC comics or DC movies, the DC EU or whatever the fuck you want to call it, they're gonna have um, they're gonna have a hell of a year next year. And the second half of the year, they have Batman, the, uh, the Batman, should I say, uh, directed by Matt Reeves, The Suicide Squad, directed by one James Gunn, and, um, and the Black Adam movie, all coming out in the second half of the year. Man, they are putting all their eggs in one basket. I don't know how that's going to work. But um, but I'm excited to see what happens. Um, they haven't. Uh, I don't think they did. Um, I don't think they did give. Uh, yeah, no. Uh, Jomi Colisera will be the guy who directed. I don't know if I'm pronouncing your name correctly, but he will be the guy to direct um, the Black Adam movie. He's a he's a good director. He's directed. He's directing Jungle Cruise this uh, this summer. Uh, he's done a bunch of. Um, He's done a couple of, um, whatchamacallit, Liam Neeson uh, action flicks. He did non-stop, run all night, The Commuter, which were all uh, decent enough. Uh, I feel like he needs to step his, uh, his game up, and I feel like this movie is the perfect vehicle for uh for for me for, for him to, to sorry to go to the to, to get to that next step i feel like this is a good chance for him to go uh i'm very excited to see all these dc movies man i feel like joker has really um joker and even birds of prey recently i guess have given dc a breath of fresh air um i don't i don't think all the movies that i don't think most movies that they make i don't think they're gonna make more joker movies uh, not, I'm not saying as Joker, the character, I'm just saying, I don't think they're going to do more standalone villain movies or if they do, I don't think, I think they're going to be more like sparse. I don't think they're going to be the norm. Um, so when we do get them, enjoy them. I'm looking forward to the penguin origin story. Um, um, yeah, the, 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 the DC, DC is going to have, um, 
it, it, it is going to be a stacked year for them. But what I'm when I'm going where I'm going with this, this is going to be a banner year because now they're in a now they're in this, between a rock and a hard place where they have kind of gone out of their funk of making shitty movies, but they still haven't proven yet that they're capable of being consistent with the good movies. So I feel like 2021 is going to be a hell of a test for them. Uh, Birds of Prey was good. I, I feel like this year, um, they still have Wonder Woman 1984, which I'm very skeptical about, to be honest with you guys. I don't know if you guys have seen the trailer for this. Oh, I'm sorry, sorry about that. Uh, my legs are long. I don't know if I've ever told you guys, but well, people who know me know, but I'm six foot three and I have a very, very small desk. So sometimes you'll hear noises and that's just me kicking, kicking my desk out of reflex. <laughs> um, yeah, uh, Wonder Woman 1984. I don't know if you guys have seen the trailer. It just looks a bit clunky to me, if it makes any sense. It looks cheesy. Not cheesy in a way like, oh, it's romantic. No, cheesy in a way like, it looks like a by-the-number movie. It doesn't look original. It doesn't. It doesn't feel original. I'm. I might be. I might be. I may be shit talking it for nothing. You know. Maybe it's gonna be awesome. Listen. It has all the ingredients to be good. It has Gal Gadot who did a, a great fucking job as Wonder Woman the first. I don't think anybody could play her as well as Gal Gadot did. Um, still has Patty Jenkins directing. They have Pedro Pascal and Kristen Wiig as the villains. So they have st a stacked, stacked sheet of talent there. But I just. Watching that trailer was very reminiscent of me, uh, to me, of movies uh, like Thor, uh, the first one, or you know, very, very by basic superhero movies. So I, I'm Anyways, we'll see. I digress. So um, and good luck, by the way. Good luck to DC. I, I'm hoping they succeed, man. It's like anything. Uh, you, if you're a fan of the MCU and you're hoping that the DCEU fails, I'm, I'm sorry, but you're cancer. Um, you're supposed to... If you really enjoy movies, if you really enjoy... If you're a fan of the MCU and you're hating on the competition, then I guess that's your deal. But if you're a movie fan and you really like the MCU, you should want the DCEU to succeed. I want the DCEU to succeed. It just means we get more good movies. More good movies, the better it is. So... Um, I'm rooting for you, so we'll see what happens. Um, last but not least, uh, before we move on to the movies I watched this week, um, just real quick, Adam McKay, who was famous for directing movies such as Anchorman, um, and more recently, The Big Short and uh, Vice, which are movies with, um, both movies with Christian Bell about uh, political and social issues. Um, he is uh, direct, he's going to direct a Netflix movie, a Netflix comedy, uh, and it's about uh, two astronomers who go on a media tour uh, to prove that there's an asteroid coming uh, to Earth uh, that's going to destroy the planet. And it's a comedy, so don't. Uh, this sounds like a drama, but I the way I explained it, but it's a comedy. And uh, yeah, Adam McKay is going to direct, and it now found its first star, and it just casted Jennifer Lawrence as a main character in it. So I'm um, very excited to see that. I'm a big fan of uh, J-Law's work. I'm excited to see what happens. And uh, Adam McKay keeps killing it. So we'll, we'll see what happens there as well. Um, that's it for the news. Um, moving on. I went to see two movies this week. Uh, like I said in the intro, uh, or I did not say in the intro, I'm sorry. <laughs> um, I did not mention it, but this week is one of those day, is one of those weeks where real life really interfered with my... Uh, capacity to do this podcast and to deliver it on time so i'm very sorry and i'm very s thankful for you guys listening to it uh, even late but i got uh, i got a new job this week uh, and i was celebrating uh, because this was a long time coming so i didn't get the chance or i didn't i really wasn't able to see many movies but i went to see two movies which i know you guys will say well it's more than how many i've watched but it's nearly not enough how many i want to watch so um uh, I'm 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 quite excited. I'm quite happy with what I saw, though. Um, the first movie that I saw was *Color Out of Space*. Uh, it is a uh, Richard Stanley movie. It stars Nicolas Cage, and it's based on an H.P. Lovecraft novel, uh, which is uh, super sci-fi and um, yeah, 
fuck, that movie was weird as hell, guys. Uh, it's a great story, has a great plot. Uh, it, it gets weird, but not to the point where you're weirded out. It just gets weird to the point where you're asking so many questions and you're enjoying the weird. Um, if you, like me, are a fan of Nicolas Cage, Nicolas Cage uh, is uh, is uh, Nicolas Cageist in that movie. Well, probably not, but he there are he has his moments. He has those landmark Nicolas Cage moments that we're all waiting for. Uh, so if that's what you're looking for, yeah, go for go go for it. Go see that movie. You'll you'll love uh, you'll love Nick Cage in that. Uh, yeah. Otherwise, the story is really fucked up. I'm hoping. I'm not really familiar with uh, Lovecraft's work. To be honest with you guys, I don't read much anymore. I used to read a lot more than I do now. Uh, but uh, sorry, I feel like I feel like more um, more of his uh, stories should be adapted. If if there are more, if there are, if most of them, sorry, are like Color Out of Space, I feel like this is a good ground to uh, base stories from uh, out of or whatever. So like, I feel like this is a good um, this is a good this is good source material for future movies. Uh, and uh, I'm happy to see Nick Cage still get some work. I'm happy to see indie movies like that get, um, I get, I, I guess the budget, the necessary budget to do what they they need to do. Uh, I'm happy original storytelling like that still exists. Uh, and I strongly encourage you guys to see movies like that. Go out of your way. Go to smaller cinemas where they show, you know, smaller scale and less distributed movies sometimes you'll be really surprised and i know i say this on a lot of my podcasts but fuck me if i'm wrong actually don't but whatever um and uh yeah sorry the second movie i saw this week uh this was again in a small theater was uh, a portrait of a lady on fire now i re uh, as you guys know I, I was supposed to see it the week prior but the movie was full uh, if you guys have listened to my last podcast that's what happened it was not fun but whatever um yeah, it's it, it is it really is a fantastic movie. Um, like I, you know, like I've said many times, and I and I'm probably gonna I'm probably gonna talk about it later. Um, I feel like love is a very hard um, emotion to convey on screen. I feel like you need chemistry between the two actors. Be, you can have the best script. You can write the best fucking love story. You can have Nicholas Sparks write your love story. If those two actors don't believe in that story, you're not going to get good romance. And that's just my opinion. And I, I know I'm going to talk about it later because there's a, there's a romance I really enjoyed uh, in the movies that I watched this week for uh, mandatory viewing. But uh, th th those Portrait of a Lady on Fire is about, for those who don't know... Um, it's about uh, a woman in the but well, it, it takes place in the 18th century late in the 18th century so uh, so i'm guessing in uh, close to the uh, french revolution it takes place in france uh, actually it takes place in brittany but it's a french movie which is fucked up uh, but uh, it's a it's about a yeah so it takes place it takes place in great britain uh, that's my mistake uh, but it's about a woman um, it's about a painter that gets sent to a castle to paint, um, to, to paint the portrait of um, a young woman who is about to get married, uh, but she, this young woman, does not want to um, to have a to have a painting done for her because she's opposing herself to the marriage that she's about to get into, and she's just it, it's said that she's gone through a bunch of. Uh, painters that were not able to paint her at all so she they tell this young woman that's obliged to do it you're gonna have to do it without her uh, noticing and uh, that's where it starts and then eventually the two like she, she, she has to tell him the truth she has to tell her the truth and eventually the two get closer and closer and eventually have an affair and uh, it it heartbreakingly ends with uh the painter having to go back home and uh, sadly the young woman has having to uh, get married uh, it's it's a love story it's i i could go i could go in depth with uh, a bunch of things in that movie but you know all in all what it is it's it's a love story and it's a really good one and um you know both actress i feel in that movie noemi merlin and uh, adele hanel 
did a did really 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 good jobs uh and um tour the force performances one thing i will say about this movie though is don't go if you're tired because it's a very very dark movie uh, very somber uh lots of the scenes are three girls or two girls in a castle um you, you with with a candlelight with all the lights off uh you, well all the lights off obviously yes they had electricity back then good job um no obviously there's just very very somber very dark lots of candlelit scenes uh you still have like the 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 natural lighting outside when they go to the cliff uh but mostly it's all candlelit it's very somber very very dark uh so if you're tired or if you you know went through a hard day at work uh you, you know say save it for a day where you're going to have all of your energy and uh will be able to pay attention to the whole thing so that said yes uh color out of space yes portrait of a lady on fire yes go see both of those movies i recommend them and uh i'm happy to recommend them to you because i like recommending movies that not a lot of people will see so uh yes so that's it uh thank you so much for listening uh before we move on to the mandatory viewing segment as always a word from our sponsors have you ever woken up from a very short night of sleep with your hair all over the place and very limited options to fix it like the little cute little shitty plastic brush that gets stuck in your thick ass hair the second it touches it and then the slightest move you make your brush kind of like rips out a whole bunch of your hair and then you look at your phone and you realize oh shit i only got two minutes before the bus passes so then you have to show up to work with a brush in the middle of your head and explain to your boss why you have a brush in the middle of your head and then you have to tell them it's because you go months months without going to the barber because every time you go you come out with a mediocre haircut and this awkward conversation just you'd rather just show up to work with a brush in the middle of your head and a chunk of hair ripped out of it than having to go through that weird experience again any anyone Oh, it's just me? Anyways, I, I go to the MTL barber now, and ever since then I confidently put my alarm 10 minutes, 10 minutes before the bus passes, and I get complimented on my hair at work without even touching it. And the conversation's is a lot less awkward, I must say. Uh, anyways, visit the MTLbarber.com to book your appointment now, or get more information. You must be a man, and you must be from Montreal, otherwise we'll have fun with that brush and that awkward conversation. The MTL Barber. Motivation, transformation, lifestyle. And once again this week, this podcast was blessed with the music of heavens thanks to our amazing producer, Ollie Sin 9000 from the music producing group OTS Sounds. Go give them a follow on Instagram at OTS.Sounds. That's at OTS.Sounds to hear more amazing music and amazing beats like the one you hear now. Thank you so much, Ollie Sin 9000 again for making this the best sounding podcast on the market and again if you want to follow me personally my instagram at mr sir 94 or you can follow me on twitter at mr sir pod 94 that's mr sir pod papa oscar delta 94 uh, pod as in podcast for those who did not understand the phonetic alphabet uh, and uh, thank you for like thank you for liking thank you for sharing thank you for supporting uh thank you for uh being there and thank you for getting to this point but now we're about to get to the best part and this is it mandatory viewing all right guys this is it this is the final stretch this is mandatory viewing this week i chose two movies that display uh, deep philosophical theories about life so i went uh, and they're both mind-fucking movies should i say so uh i went with those movies because i didn't have anything this week uh there was no historical event there was no anniversary there was no uh, birthday there was no there was nothing coming out this week that was a direct sequel or direct reboot of what i of a movie i did not see so i had nothing to base my choice on so i just went with my gut and i chose to i, I chose that category because I, th those are two movies that i've been wanting to watch for a while uh namely mr nobody and synecdoche new york uh, i chose those two movies because like i said i wanted to watch those two movies and i had nothing else to choose so um with that in mind i'm just going to sidebar here before we get into the movie part of it in a couple of weeks, I'm going to switch up the formula for this. So obviously, I'm going to keep the themes 
uh, for this segment. So, you know, when something happened, when there's a historical event or when there's a birthday, like last week was Michael Bay's birthday, I did Michael Bay movies. I'm not going to stop doing that. However, on weeks where like like this week where I don't have anything to base my choice on, instead of picking because I've already spoiler alert, I've already pre-built like combos of movies. I already have like 500 combos of two or three movies. I already have everything of that prepared for you guys for, for this podcast to structure it around it. So instead of digging into those combos and picking two or three movies that have something to do with each other on weeks like this week where I have nothing, I'm just going to draw movies out of a hat and we'll do two or three random movies. Uh, based on the time that I have. So essentially, inst- I-, I feel like this will be a favor. Uh, well, it-, it definitely is a favor to myself. But eventually, as this audience grows, and as you guys get more comfortable watching and get more time watching the movies that I'm watching. So, in- you know, when you guys start following along my journey and watching those movies, uh, unless some of you guys already started, um, instead of watching you know, instead of always every single week watching movies that have something to do with each other, you know, you, you get tired of that. Like even after two or three war movies, for instance, in, in a week, uh, I don't know about you guys, but eventually you want to switch it up. It's kind of like my music. I don't listen to I don't listen to hip hop off all the time, just the same way I don't listen to funk all the time, just the same way I don't listen to rock all the time. It's the blend of all of that that makes it well. So we're gonna we're gonna break the rhythm a bit. And sometimes we're gonna do random movies. So you know, like next week, uh spoiler alert again i'm doing uh, the deer Un- the, the sorry the deer hunter and uh, apocalypse now i'm doing those two movies because it's the anniversary of uh, operation rolling thunder in vietnam for the war uh so uh so so i decided to pick two movies that have something to do with the vietnam war and i'm not going to stop doing that like i said like last week was my way i'm not going to stop doing those things so next week that's what it is but on weeks where we have nothing a week prior on this podcast, I'm going to draw two movies out of a hat and we'll go with that. And I feel like it'll be better for everybody to sometimes just watch different movies and sometimes not get into the funk of always, you know, overexposing yourself to the same genre of movies all the time. So, yeah, I, I'm gonna, I'm comfortable making that choice. And if you guys are not comfortable, if you guys are not happy with it, hey, uh, I'm obviously not doing this podcast entirely for myself. Obviously, I am a bit, but not entirely for myself. So if you guys are not happy, I don't, I'm not going to do a poll right now because I feel like it would be skewed. Uh, the number of viewers, that I, uh, the number of uh, listeners that I have right now, sorry. So uh, if, if anybody objects and if anybody opposes to this, um reach me out on social media at mr sir 94 on instagram or at mr sir pod 94 on twitter and uh give me give me all the shit that you want for for for, for giving up on the themes um if yeah if you guys are not happy just let me know and uh, we'll we'll see what we can do right now i'm gonna make that that executive decision uh because i am the executive producer of this podcast so fuck off (laughs) anyways um so okay so today we're gonna go as planned uh, it's not it's not this week that we're going to change the formula it's not this week that we're changing the the concept of this uh we're staying with we're we're sticking to the plan this week so first movie that i watched mr nobody it was directed by jaco van dormal i don't know if i'm pronouncing that right and if i'm not i am very very sorry and there is a bunch of actors that i probably going to mispronounce as well um and i'm very sorry for that this movie was released in 2009. It holds a 7.8 on 10 rating on IMDb currently, which is very strong. It stars Jared Leto, Sarah Polly, Diane Kruger, Lyndon Pham, Riz Ifans, Natasha Little, uh, and many more actors. Part of it was actually filmed in my hometown of Montreal, which is, uh, which is fun. Uh, there's some parts that you can recognize the landscape, which is really cool. It didn't win any awards. Well, it did win some, but nothing notable. You didn't hear from it from the Oscars uh, or Cannes or um, the Golden Globes or anything like that. It has, however, I believe, I'm comfortable saying this, it has reached cult status in recent years. It's a cult movie, uh, and everybody should see it. It's one of the greats. Moving on to the other movie real quick, Synecdoche, New York. Now, that is a hell of a movie. It was directed by Charlie Kaufman. 
Uh, and I'm not saying this for the reasons you think. Uh, it was released in 2008, holds a 7.6 on 10 rating on IMDb. Roger Ebert loves this movie, says it's one of the best of the... of the. Um, well, he said when he was there, when he was here, sorry, rest in peace, um, that he that it was one of the best movies of the 2000s. So uh, take that for what you will. Uh, it stars Philip Seymour Hoffman, also, rest in peace, Samantha Morton, Michelle Williams, Catherine Keener, and Emily Watson, uh, and Diane West, among others. Again, this is a movie that did not win any awards, nothing notable. So um, this is another one that goes down in history as, uh, as one of the great movies that did not go through the award process. Um, I'm going to go one by one here because both of them require attention. And I feel like if I blend them, I'm not going to give them, I'm not going to make, I'm not going to make them justice. So I'm going to go one by one here. So Mr. Nobody, um, as far as, as far as non-linear movie movies go, uh, and when I'm thinking about non-linear, I'm thinking about like Memento and stuff like that. As far as movies that don't follow a, a linear plot, this one is is up there like this one is one of my it, it, I, i'm thinking pulp fiction maybe um memento some of those you know go down as this one is is definitely worth being in the conversation for for one of the best non-linear movies ever so uh if that's something that you enjoy yes and you haven't seen that i don't know what you're waiting for the editing in that movie is fucking flawless uh, it, it is it is confusing for a little while because you know the, it switches so fast and there's a lot of um, there's a lot of things that only make sense as the movie as the narrative of the movie unfolds. Uh, but essentially, once you really start once you really start understanding what's going on, you start appreciating everything you, the te the technical aspect, the editing. You start you, you really it's really about it's it's kind of like a uh, it's like it's kind of like a porcupine, you know. If you if you approach it fast, it's gonna spike you. But you know, if you um, if if you really take your time with this movie, essentially, eventually you're going to dive into it, and you're really going to be able to appreciate everything. Um, so take your time understanding it, and don't be don't be scared. If you start this movie, don't be scared if it takes you a while to understand it. Don't be scared if. Tim, sorry, 10, 15, 10 or 15 minutes in, you're, you're not really understanding it. Even in a half hour, it takes a while. Um, th this movie is essentially about choices and the choices you make in life and the consequences that come with those choices. It really reaches my beliefs personally in terms of what I, you know, what I believe out of life. I don't believe in destiny. I don't believe in fate. I don't believe in anything that's been already predetermined. I don't think anybody's written my life down. Uh, before and this is just my personal beliefs by the way I'm just you know li laying them out there I'm not forcing you guys to believe anything obviously you guys believe what the fuck you want but I believe that your path or your whatever happens in your life you know whenever it says whatever it always happens for a reason most of the, most of the people that say that think that the reason is that it was meant to happen and it was predetermined and it was it was going to happen regardless i don't feel that way i feel like saying everything happens for a reason undermines the choices that you make i feel like if you're making a choices on the, if you're making a choice on the spot it will influence your path afterwards but it will only influence that path once you've made that choice i don't think it may i don't think anything gets influenced beforehand i don't think anything is pre-written i think i think coincidences and choices and, and and things that chemically or scientifically happen in the moment influence your path in the future nothing in the past or nothing that somebody wrote for you so so that movie really really aligns with my beliefs because the whole movie is about how your life and your path is uh, influenced by the choices that you make so yeah so i'll explain more like this movie essentially is about a, a character named nemo not a, he's not a fish he's a human and he's actually the last mortal human on earth this takes place in 2092 and he's being um hypnotized whatever just so because now everybody's mortal uh, immortal sorry uh, and they're trying to get you know everything out of nemo all the memories and whatnot so he, they're they're putting him through hypnosis so he can recall some of the memories that he has in his life 
And um, he basically at the movie, at the beginning of the movie, he explains that every children before you're born, before we're born, when we're children, when we're inside the womb, we remember everything that happens and like all, all everything that happens in our life. But then as when, when we when we when we're born, there are uh, angels uh, and he explains that as the angels of oblivion that erase our memory. And he explains that the angels forgot about him. Now you're going to argue, hey, maybe <laughs> Jess, you're explaining Mr. Sir. Sorry, Mr. Sir. I'm sorry, Mr. Sir. You're explaining faith right now. You're explaining, you're explaining, not faith, fate. You're explaining faith. You're explaining destiny right now. No, I'm not. Because I will argue that he, yeah, he can, he can see that. Ah, he can still see all the futures for himself, but those futures change at the only, they only change the moment he made those choices. So yeah, maybe he can see the possibilities of where his life can go, but they are possibilities and they are only converted into reality once he makes those choices. So fuck you, this still, aligns with, this still aligns with my beliefs. This is not about destiny. So uh, so yeah, so th basically this guy has a really hard choice to make young in his life. He either goes uh, because his parents split, he either chooses to stay with his father or, or moves with his mother uh, in Montreal. Yay, Montreal. Woo. Um, and, and basically, this movie explores both options. And then in his life, there are three women that he meets that he kind of falls for. Um, and it also explores the possibility of what happens if he, if he decides to go with one of, one of the three. Well, each of them. So it basically explores all of those options in his life in a non-linear way and you kind of like as the movie goes i really don't know how to explain this but as the movie goes you kind of understand what you know what each path is uh some of them are definitely not better than others and in the end essentially and this is a spoiler alert you real you discover that the old man is actually not real it's actually a projection a projection of himself um uh, that he that he had at the that he has at the moment where he has to choose between his two parents and he was technically frozen there just thinking about all the possibilities the whole movie and he, at the end of the movie it goes back to that moment where he has to choose and he makes the right choice um i'm not going to tell you what it is i'm not going to obviously i've already told you too much it's it's a very tech, it's a very hard movie to explain but for real um, the way I'm explaining it does not do it justice. It's a it's a really 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 good movie. Um, the editing is very very good. It's flawless. It's, it, um, the soundtrack, the score, and the soundtrack are very good. Um, there's obviously there's a bias because part of the movie was filmed in my city, and I always love that. Uh, shout out to John Wick too. That was the last one that I known as my movie in. Uh, that that I noticed my city in the movie. Um, the when you're watching this movie and you're you're thinking to yourself which girl is he going to choose there's there's a clear choice right there uh the romance between him and anna who's superbly played by dan kruger who i think is massively massively underrated and deserves a lot more love um i feel like that romance was so well executed i feel like the chemistry between the two was was very good i'm not going to spoil how they get together and whatnot and the circumstances of their uh of their their uh, their romance but it's so well it's so well executed i i i'm one to think that love is a very tough sentiment to express in film not because it's hard to make two characters love each other. i just think it i just think a big part of it is based on if the two actors are willing to sell it as is or not if the two actors are willing to pull off the emotional little strings that you that pull on your heart when you're when you're in love i feel like that's a underrated part of cinema that we don't really talk about often uh rom-coms you know there's so many rom-coms that get churned out every year and some of them are, are terrible but all of those that are terrible have something in common and the actors didn't have any chemistry if the second the two actors have chemistry in a cheesy rom-com, you're going to enjoy it. I I will enjoy it. I don't think Friends with Benefits is a, a technically sound, great movie, but I 
love the shit out of it because Mila Kunis and Justin Timberlake had chemistry. And that's all it takes. I, I'm not saying that's all it takes to make a fantastic movie. That's all it takes for a romance to be believable. And I feel like this one right here was pulled off very well. Um, Jared Leto is a fantastic actor. Diane Kruger is a great actress, like I just said. Uh, they pulled it off really well. And uh, that part, it, it makes sense. And you can see that she's the one. You can see that she, she's the right choice for him uh, from the get-go because of how well they pulled that off. Um... I'm just going to say something, though, about the poster for this movie. I don't know if you've seen it, but this poster really makes it look like you're getting a Matrix movie, like, or you're getting a, um, or you're getting, like, Predestination, or you're getting, it feels like you're getting a sci-fi action movie, and it's, or, or something in space, you know, but it's, it's not, it's neither or. Please don't get confused. This belongs on a list of movies with, um eternal sunshine of the spotless mind for instance where uh, it's like ro romantic slash existential slash sci-fi so it's not it's, it's a very sentimental movie it's nothing it, don't don't expect an action if you see the poster for this movie don't expect anything uh, ab about it just go in uh, the worst go in blind and at, uh, at best go in blind and at the worst go in knowing that this is more akin to a rom-com than it is to uh, kung fu people fighting in slow motion inside a computer. Um, I I'm very I'm very happy this movie reached cult status. I feel like everybody should see it. Um, yeah, I don't I don't think there's anything else that I would say about it because I feel like the more I say about it, the more complex this is going to get and I, I feel like I'm going to I'm already confusing you so I'm not going to I'm not going to get into that into that much more but see it see this movie it is one of my favorites that I've seen recently and I cannot recommend it enough watch this movie now <clears throat> moving on to Synecdoche New York that movie was um an experience that movie was heavy, it was brutal, it was very bleak, it was very melancholic, it was, stylistically speaking that is, it was very, um, ah, Jesus, so, it's, it's so deep in philosophy that it becomes, you think more than you get entertained by this movie. So if you're in, if you're going if you're going for entertainment, you're not you're gonna fucking hate yourself. I'm telling you right now, you're gonna hate yourself. Um, it's an it's a heavy it's it's not a movie that I'm probably gonna watch a second time in my life. I'm I'm happy I watched it, but um, I, I fuck it's just so it, it's a brutal brutal fucking watch. That said, um, Philip Seymour Hoffman, uh, and I, I and I and I know a lot of people say this, but I'm gonna say it too. He's fucking phenomenal, guys. This guy was definitely is definitely gone too soon. We could we, we could have gone. We, he could have gone an Oscar for sure. Um, another one. Um, he he's so he's so good. Like that, he's in the he's in. For me, Philip Seymour Hoffman is as good as Tom Hanks. Yeah, I said it. He's as good, if not better, than Tom Hanks. He's in that league. He's in that elite echelon. I'm, I'm just I'm just very sad that we lost him when we did, and I feel like we we could have gotten a lot more. Uh, and I'm pretty sad that. Also, his last role was The Hunger Games because that did not do justice to the character actor that Philip, that Philip Seymour Hoffman is. Sorry. Uh, I'm very sad that he died that early. And um, rest in peace, sir. Uh, thank you for everything. Now, um, this movie is essentially about a, a descent into madness, uh, trying to understand the deep meanings of life. And, 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 try, and he's also at the same time trying to, the main character is also trying to navigate through uh, health issues it's it's really painful to watch like i said I'm, i don't think i'm gonna watch this movie in 
an, a, another time in my life. I, I think I'm done with this movie forever. It's a very heavy experience. It's very rich in questions and unsolved, uh, um, unsolved. How could I say Im ambiguities? I guess, but it's not an experience that you want to go through more than once. It's, it's, it's almost like going through a a very very tough heartbreak. It's like. You, you're happy you've gone through it because it helps you grow and it helps you get past whatever you're going to get past. But at the same time, going through it was fucking, fucking brutal. Fucking, how could I say, um, draining. That's what it is. Yeah, that's what it is. That, this is the best way to describe this movie. It It is draining. Emotionally and even physically draining. Uh, but uh, but hey, I mean, it's an experience. You should go through it at least once. Um, the main character in this movie, uh, the, the story of this movie is essentially about a playwright. Um, and his, his life is just spinning out of control you know he's um he's getting sicker and sicker uh his wife is his wife leaves him uh she leaves with her with their daughter to berlin uh leaves him and he basically basically he's he's hitting rock bottom and he gets at that at that moment he gets a fellowship which is essentially um like a scholarship but uh for playwrights um, he gets the MacArthur Fellowship, which is the one of the highest prizes you can get, and it's a very, very big um, uh, sum of money that they allocate to them to um, make something happen. To the, they give them money to they give essentially they give him money to make a bigger like to, to to fund to fund his next play or to fund his next project, and it's a big, big sum of money. Uh, and he's the recipient of it. Not a lot of people get it. He's the recipient of it, so he plans to do one of the biggest, like the biggest project of his life. And he's essentially building a replica of his neighborhood inside a warehouse. And he's going to have people play other people in real life. And he's going to mimic real life so that the, the to make like the most authentic play ever and like he, he just it's fucking the i chose movies that are really hard to explain guys today so please bear with me um he's trying to mirror real life through a play like he's trying to have people play exactly what other people say like he's trying to have it's so meta that he it gets to a point where people are playing the people that are setting up the play inside the play. So like they're playing those people in real life. So like they'll have there's gonna be one guy playing Philip Seymour Hoffman's character, and he'll be doing whatever he's doing on the set. He's just gonna be, just gonna be following him and playing him. Like it's just so fucking meta. He's trying to do he's trying to he's trying to do real life in the play. That's basically what it is. And it's crazy because the whole time it's a big metaphor for self-reflection. Like the play is not perfect. This is not, you know, it's, it's just the whole time is just a broken reflection of himself uh, through his play. It's, it's just so deep and it's so fucking philosophical. But the whole time, the whole time you have to kind of feel bad for the guy because he's really looking to capture the essence of, of life he's trying to mimic life exactly what it is and then people around him are leaving him dying divorcing him getting he's getting ill he's getting ill like it's just shit keeps happening and the play never really really takes off but at the same time like it's such a massive undertaking it can never really take off uh and there, there's a very there's a very good quote in that movie that i really really liked and I, and I think that's my main takeaway of this movie. And the quote is this. There are nearly 13 million people in the world. None of them are extras. They're all the leads of their own story. I think that, that really resonated with me because obviously there are more than 13 million people in the world. I fucking wish sometimes there were only 13 million people in the world. But and, and I, I feel like he's talking about his world. 
I don't know if he hired 30 million people, 30 million actors to play 30 million people. It should seem that way sometimes. But um, yeah, it makes you think because sometimes even if in, in, in something even as um, even a play, you know, just to stay in the thematic of this movie, uh, even if you watch a play, if you watch, if you look at the of the secondary and the, the, uh, the secondary characters and the characters that are accompanying accompanying the main characters, these people are interesting too. It's not because the the guy that did not write, it's not because the guy that wrote the play did not write uh, depth or more to the to the side character than he did that the side character doesn't have that depth. It just you know every character, every person whether they're a side character in a movie or they're just someone passing on the street that you feel has nothing to, to do with any of your anything. Every single person has their own story and uh, everybody needs their due. So like this year, they're doing a spinoff of um, Snake Eyes, the G.I. The G.I. Joe character. He was a he was a he was the most interesting character. Sure. But he was a side character. So, yeah, like I feel like. In, the, in, in adhering to this philosophy here, everybody would deserve a spinoff. You know, Ron Weasley could deserve a spinoff, but at this, you know, at the same time, yeah, I'd watch that, sure, but it's true. You know, everybody, it's not because you're not the main character of a story that you're not interesting. Everybody, you're the lead of your own story. So that quote makes a lot of sense, and that, and that quote is beautiful. And my main takeaway of this movie, for sure. Um, this whole time during the movie, there's this woman, Hazel, um, she kind of has an affair with, um, the main character, um, his name is Caden, um, he, they, 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 they're pretty much, like, in love the whole time, but he's scared to make a move, and the whole time there's just this very big awkwardness be between the two of them, and it's just, burgeoning romance that's waiting to happen and when it finally happens she dies which just makes the whole experience even worse but yeah she lives in a house that's constantly burning and they never like it's just like normal she goes in to buy the house and um and 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 she goes yeah i don't know if i'm gonna buy the house you know because it's burning like it's just it's just the thing that's in the movie it's just a plot it's like it's not a big deal it's just, they brush it off like it's nothing but there's, yeah, the house is constantly on fire. And um, so, she, yeah, so Hazel goes, I'm not sure if I want to buy this house because, you know, because of the fire. I might die, I might die from, from it. And then the real estate agent goes, it's a big decision how one prefers to die. And, and eventually... And eventually she dies, you know? So, like, she made a choice early on. She cho she chose how she was going to die. And, yeah, you know, it's just another philosophy, another theory of, you know, we all make choices that resonate throughout our lives. And that's just <laughs> Charlie Kaufman's fucked up way of showing it, you know? It's such a deep and f messed up... I feel like this encompasses, this movie, in, instead of encompassing, instead of showing one philosophical theory, I feel like Charlie Kaufman basically wrote a book about how he felt and adapted it into a movie. That's pretty much what it feels like. It feels like the whole spectrum of how someone thinks life works. It doesn't, it's not one thing in particular, you know? This whole thing about the house burning, she chose early on how she was going to die, and he feels like he's the, he feels like this is the case for for you know everybody but he feels like this is a good thing choosing how you're gonna die is worse than the alternative in this case and um yeah another, another I, guys like i'm i'm speechless i really it's a very very and i'm not speechless because i don't know i don't have words to say or i'm because i'm not in the mood to do this podcast. I'm always in the mood to do this podcast. I'm always happy to talk about movies. No, it's just really a situation where it is such a weird fucking movie that you really need to watch it in order to understand what I'm saying. It makes you think a lot. Like this analysis obviously doesn't scratch the surface. This analysis was all over the place and I have to apologize for it, but this is uh, this is a more so uh, 
a work of a body of work from a philosopher than it is uh, a straight up flick. You know what I'm saying? Like it's something that you need to it's something you need to watch and take notes. You know, it's it's like it's like reading a philosophy book. It's like reading Socrates' uh, theories or whatever. The the it's like reading Plato's um, cave theory or whatever. You know, it's it's, it's basically uh, the the last movie I saw like that was The Matrix, and this is ten times deeper than The Matrix. Like not even. It's not Matrix like movies like these don't even come close to this one. This one is legitimately just a big fucking mess of philosophy. And it works. It works very well, don't get me wrong. I just look, I, I'm I'm not I'm not, not gonna recommend it, but I'm not gonna recommend it either. Don't watch it if you're uh in the mood for a light evening uh chilling. Watch Mr. Nobody. Mr. Nobody is um as complex as it can get it it's very simple like not simple in its execution but yeah i guess uh, it's easy to understand it's easy to follow along it 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 um it displays and it exhibits concepts and ideas that we're already familiar with this is where i'm getting to like you know love um making hard choices um family all all those things are very close to us synecdoche new york man it's about a guy that's dying that has millions and millions of dollars to make a play and decides to just reflect on his own life like it's just it's it's very it's not it is impersonable but it's also very hard to on top of being very hard to relate to it's very hard to understand and follow along the movie so uh, if you if you're looking at if you're looking at one a, a movie like that then yes by all means go for synecdoche but unless if you just want to entertain yourself man skip your turn and uh and, and get back to it later maybe perhaps so uh so yeah so those are my recommendations for this week this is my segment and this is it we're out of time so thank you so much for listening this week i really appreciate your undivided attention and i'll see you next week thank you so much